Hi, this is Matt Smith of Project Aegis and Theocracy, and you are listening to Sonic Perspectives. Matt Smith is the main man behind Theocracy, the Georgia-based Christian metal band. has four albums and many, many Christmas songs to its credit. Perhaps a bit lesser known, at least for right now, but for many years, Matt has also helmed a group called Project Aegis, a revolving group of musicians performing with a purpose. And their newest effort, and the rest is mystery, is out on February 7th. I'm Mark Boardman, contributor to Sonic Perspectives, and Matt Smith is with us to talk about that and his music. Matt, welcome to Sonic Perspectives. Hey, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, everybody. What is Project Aegis? Well, it's uh, it started basically by uh, Emma Westerdahl from Ulterior Records, which is Theocracy's label. And um, he approached me one day with the idea of doing a, a charity track, um, you know, where all the proceeds from the song go to a, a charity. And and I thought this was a great idea. And he, you know, he wanted me to write it, so um, I did. And then we we brought in several different singers for that, and and uh, to kind of help take it to another level. And and uh, Everybody seemed to love it, so that went well. And then we did another one, you know, a couple years later, and then here we are with the third one. So it's it's just one of those things where uh, there wasn't really a a big plan going forward, and it's been kind of different every time, which is which is uh, which has made it fun. So it, it has been different, and that each one seems to have more or less different casting uh, in terms of vocalists and instrumentalists, and while the the themes are always nice about people who need to be helped and and redeemed in one way or another. There's still a somewhat of a difference to the sound while maintaining something that's identifiable. Yeah, I agree, and it's it's kind of nice to go in with with no set plan or anything that I'm I'm trying to accomplish necessarily. Um, so they weren't really planned to be different. I, I would say that it's. Out. And then, of course, you know, once you get all the different singers, it it brings a totally different character to, to each one. So so that helps in that regard as well. But um, it's been a nice it's been a nice fun outlet because there's not the, the pressure of it being, you know, a new theocracy album or whatever. So I can just kind of do whatever without a lot of pressure. And, and that's that's helpful sometimes. Mm-hmm. In this one, it's a little bit different because you actually have two other members of theocracy performing with the the rest of the folks and of course you perform most of the instrumentation in terms of guitars bass etc uh was there a thought that this would be a theocracy song or was this just i need a couple of people a drummer and i need a guitarist so let's bring them in from the band yeah it was it was you know the the other two were done a little more i mean obviously they were done with a great amount of care but it was a little more hastily put together you know like program drums and and kind of fly by the seat of your pants and just bring in you know a a guitar soloist for each one and this one i wanted to take a little more time with and um and yeah you know theocracy hadn't done anything for a couple years recording wise so it was kind of you know i just thought they would they would enjoy doing it and and i asked them and they and they were super on board and and uh so went from there you know i figured i figured uh I don't know. You know, I, I we hadn't used Val for the any of the solos on the previous two because 
we kind of wanted to establish it as something different from theocracy, you know, and, and, and sort of highlight, you know, these soloists that we brought in for that purpose. But it seemed now, you know, being the third album, it was time to, to have him on board and, and, um, and Ernie as well. And we were, we were setting up to record a Christmas song that we did in December. And so we just knocked those, those both out together, um, drum wise. So, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was, that was it really. When did the process of putting this one together begin? Gosh, this has been in the works for a while. I would say probably almost two years, really, when it started. Um, you know, it, and then it's been kind of an ongoing thing from from there because I because it started just as kind of that front bit, the sort of ballad, you know, the ballady thing with Neil. I, I thought you know that'd be something you know, very different from the first two and, 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 uh, sort of establish a different direction. And then of course me being me, it ended up growing into this big epic monster because I couldn't stop. But, um, yeah, so, so, uh, it's kind of worked in stages. You know, I remember, I, I don't remember the date exactly, but, you know, I know we were, my wife and I took a little trip to Florida for a couple of days for a little vacation, and I had a guitar with me then, and and, and was really working on it. Um, it's funny because a lot of my memories with this working on this song have uh, aligned with vacations that I was not enjoying because I was working the whole time. <laughs> there was that one where I was working. I, I remember I was really working on a lot of the lyrics for it. Um, on a ski trip where my wife was skiing and I was sitting in the lodge trying to hammer out these lyrics. And so there's, for some reason, you know, a lot of the work on this one has been done uh, on trips like that. But yeah, it was, it's, it was kind of a, you know, the, the actual work of it didn't take that long, but it was, you know, putting it together and then kind of waiting on schedules and, 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 you know, figuring out a time we could record it, you know, Etc. So it's it's been I would say probably a good year and a half since I started on it. Mm-hmm. How do you decide the voices that you're going to use in something like this? Because when you have something that is so message driven, the voices are very very important. It's true, and and, and it, it's funny too because the other ones I haven't really ha- I haven't really gone into it with any sort of um, you know, we, we would kick around ideas of great singers and people that we thought could pull it off, but it wasn't necessarily written for anyone. This was the first one that I really wrote with, with people in mind, especially with Neil um, for that first part. Because Neil Morse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Neil Morse, yeah. Um, because I just thought he would he would sound so great on it. So that was that was actually kind of the, you know, the impetus for the whole, the whole thing. Well, I, the, it sounded to me like he really kicked it on this one. Yeah, yeah, he did an awesome job. Awesome job. I couldn't have been happier, of course, than you know, honored that he did it. I mean, he's one of my, my favorite songwriters. So it was, it was a, a really cool thing for me too. And, um, yeah. And, and so he was kind of a no brainer for that part. And then, um, the, uh, the thing with Daniel, who I was a, I've been a huge fan of for years. I, I loved his band lost horizon back in the early two thousands. And Daniel uh, Hyman, Daniel Hyman. Yeah. He's from Sweden. And, and it was, that part was kind of one that was, um, well, to be a hundred percent honest, it was written for. I had somebody else in mind that I approached, and they, I could never even get a response from them. So we spent spent a long time trying to, you know, nail down this other person, but you know, never even got an email basically. So, 
so I had to kind of move on eventually if the thing was going to get done and and um and uh think of other people and and um at some point i thought about what man what about daniel hyman i wonder if he would do it and and um, i'm so glad that that's how it worked out you know it's that's kind of how it's gone with all these things you know there's there's been you know in some cases you know the first choices that i thought of um for whatever reason you know couldn't couldn't do it or couldn't even make it work with the schedule or, or wouldn't do it or whatever and um but i'm so thankful for the way that it's come out every time because now i can't picture the songs any other way you know every, everyone that we've we've gone to has been perfect so mm-hmm. um and then and then the third singer on this one is, is leah mchenry um just known as leah and her her big celtic metal um project basically and I had actually had her on Angel in the Ashes, which is the previous song, um, you know, doing some of the, the choir parts and the, the background vocals. And I remember she has a lot of fans and a lot of people weren't happy, I think, that she she only had a background part. So, I, you know, I, we had this this lead female part this time and said, well, we ought to give Leah a shot to, to uh, you know, to, to have the spotlight for a minute since she didn't really have a spotlight part last time when we knew she would do great. And. And she's awesome, and she did a great job with it, and everybody was was just just so great, man. I, I couldn't couldn't be more honored about it. One of the things at the end of this particular song is the vocals really come out because you you bring all of them in, and you get that sort of contrapuntal singing, almost a gentle giant kind of thing going, which really adds quite a bit, I think, to the sound. Yeah, I've always been a huge fan of counterpoint stuff, and and um, you know the band Sabotage was a huge influence for me in that regard um, when I was a kid, and that's kind of where. So there's always been, I think, on every Theocracy record, there's at least one moment like that, and uh, and it worked really well on on uh, Angel in the Ashes, the previous Project Aegis song too. There's a part in the middle that um, is, is sort of like that. It's not as as elaborate as the one here, but um, you know, it's it's a different kind of thing when you have, you know, very different voices with individual personality and character. It sort of takes parts like that to a, a different level. So, so um, yeah, that was that was a really, a really cool part of of doing this song. And I think you know, with my voice and Neil's voice and Daniel's voice, you know, they all sit in quite a different spot. And um, and uh, you know, the especially the high counterpoint thing that that daniel's doing at the end there just man it just gave me goosebumps when i heard it because i i um you know i'd sung it on the demo but for me it was kind of buried in reverb and on all that just for the demo because my, you know it, my voice didn't sound that great doing that but he actually i mean you could solo him singing those super high parts by himself and it just sounds so powerful so mm-hmm. so so yeah he really took that to to a new level mm-hmm. when you get a a single that is specifically aimed at being a a charity piece, something that'll be used to to raise money for for folks for a, a particular cause. The the lyrics really become even more important. You you can't sing something something death metal probably about trying to raise people up. But one thing that you do and you haven't you this is not just relegated to this song you you often bring in quick vignettes in songs one verse talking about one individual and next verse talking about a second individual in this one neil starts singing about uh 
uh, an ordinary quiet girl who's scarred by ordinary men. And then the second vignette, which is you, the shadow of his father wearing blood that's not his own, as he squandered his inheritance for the only life he's known. Uh, do you see songs in that kind of vignette? Uh, that kind of process or style? Sometimes, yeah. It's it's um, that's the other thing that's nice about this. You know, it's um, a lot of times, you know, writing for theocracy as well. I have to, you know, it's a very it's a very thought out thing in terms of having. Um, I hate to say like a mission with the song, but you know, it's a, a very defined point that I'm trying to get across, and 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 these do as well, but it's a little more freeform. You know, it can kind of bring characters into it, and and um, and and you know, not nothing too specific. You know, not based on any one person. You know, in my mind or anything necessarily, as much as as just sort of like you you mentioned earlier, sort of this point of redemption and and. And these different scenarios that that um, you know with, with touch points and certain characters can relate to different people in different ways. You know, it doesn't. I mean, those verses in particular can kind of mean almost anything. And and um, I think a lot of people can find something that they've gone through that uh, that sort of mirrors you know some of the words in those verses. Um, in a, in a lot of different in a lot of different ways and, and it's it's fun to not necessarily be tied to um, to a super specific storyline as much as like you, you mentioned kind of vignettes you know it's like you're creating a mood and creating um, you know a need for for redemption or a need for um, hope as it were and um, it, whatever the case may be, you know, for, mm -hmm. for these characters or the, these flashes of characters. And so, and so even as a writer, that's, that's, that's kind of, it's fun to paint those pictures, I think too. Mm -hmm. yeah. You never actually do use the word God or Jesus or Christ or Lord in this. And yet it's obvious that especially towards the end, when you refer to you with a capital Y, that you're talking about the highest being around and that the answers, the true redemption come through that. Do you, do you intentionally try to avoid bringing up those names? Um, I wouldn't say intentionally, no. It's just that I think, I think I've always kind of written um, in a lot of first person uh, in that way. I, I remember a friend of mine saying, or somebody's, maybe it was a review, something talking about it being, um, you know, some of my writing reminding him of um, the psalmist in, in, in a lot of ways in that regard, you know, David kind of a lot of, and I don't always do that, but um, I try to keep a, keep a, a thread of, of sort of a personal yearning and a, a, um, hammer home i guess the the emotion of that personal relationship with god and that's how it's you know it's these characters that are 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 crying out and it's like you said it's it's pretty obvious and i think it's to me it's more powerful when it's done in that way of of you you know i'm i'm addressing god directly and um it's almost comes off like a prayer as opposed to sort of a more detached kind of third person thing so it's not 
Um, I wouldn't say it's something that I I really think about consciously. I guess that's just kind of the way it kind of the way it comes out. Then is the title of the song, and the rest is mystery. Is that a reminder to yourself that not all the answers are going to be laid out right in front of me, so I can see and understand? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um. And even the things that I can see, you know, I can't necessarily understand. Um, you know, the line of the core knew me before my bones were formed, you know, mystery. Um, a lot of these things are, you know, even if you're a believer and even if you, you, you have a worldview that sort of accepts these things, there are so many things that, that you just have to kind of realize are, are beyond you. It goes beyond intellect and it goes beyond um, human experience in some ways. And so it sort of encapsulated all those things to me, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's what music is, too, to a certain extent. Not all the answers can be laid out right in front of you. That, too, is an emotional, heartfelt experience. So, in effect, aren't you expressing yourself and your faith and all of those things in two different ways? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they, they it goes hand in hand to me. I mean, I... You know, there's a song on our third album called The Gift of Music, which is about that, you know, how especially from I'm pretty introverted and, and kind of shy. So, um, you know, music for me was always in a lot of ways a more natural language than I mean, I'm, I'm good with words, but I'm 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 much better writing than talking, you know, and, and so it sort of goes hand in hand. You know, it's, it, they they both um sort of give the same feeling and and in terms of uh i guess working together to get across the point that i'm trying to get across mm-hmm. and um so yeah i would, I would definitely say so mm-hmm. have you always had that faith mixed into your music yeah I, I would say i mean as far as as uh doing it as a i mean i i, I would say yeah because early i mean I, I became a christian early on as a kid and and you know, grew up in church and all the stuff. So we were always, it was always gospel music and singing in church and all that. So it's kind of, it's kind of always go, gone hand in hand to me. And and that's just for the way that I express it. I mean, I've, you know, I've got, I've done other stuff too. I've got, a, you know, songs for, for a potential project that might happen at some point, which is, which is, you know, kind of more storytelling and about, you know, relationships or, you know, dramatic and tragedies and that kind of thing. It's not so, you know, I, I it covers a, a, quite a gamut for me, but it's definitely music has always been tied in, you know, to worship in my, in my mind, I would say. Mm-hmm. When you are labeled, rightly or wrongly, and any kind of label limits things, when you're labeled a Christian artist, that automatically is going to turn some people off. They're going to say, I'm not going to listen to that. I don't want to hear that stuff. I want to hear some good rock and roll. I want to hear some metal. Mm-hmm. Um, does that bother you, that some people won't give you a chance when they hear what your faith is about? Not really. Not really, to be honest. Um, I I guess I don't really think about it that much. I mean, I, I think, I've always said, I think, you know, when people do give us a chance, I mean, they can they can hopefully hear the... The level of quality that that we at least strive for and that it's a you know it's a very very hard-earned well thought out um you know slaved over type of art for for us i mean we take it very seriously and 
So, you know, in that regard, I think, um, and obviously it's up for an individual person to judge, you know, quality or whether they like something or not. I can't speak to that, but um, I think people respect um, when they can tell that um, an amount of care has been taken and an amount of work goes into something. And so, you know, that's always kind of been the case for me. You know, I, I've, I don't remember coming across as much. I don't know. I, I guess if sort of uh, blanket dismissals like that of I'm not going to listen to these guys because blah, blah, blah. I just, they don't really phase me because it seems, uh, I don't know, kind of silly, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a lot of times the same people will then happily go listen to some like faux, you know, fake devil, whatever, or yeah. something about some random history thing that they have no relation to. You know what I mean? It's like when people say that stuff, it because it seems to only be because they think they know what it's going to be. Um, more often, you know, we get um, kind of the opposite, which is, you know, I, I'm not a believer. I don't, I didn't think I would like this, but I, you know, I love this band. Or I love this song, you know, which is, I think is really cool because again, a lot, a lot of metal fans, progressive fans and stuff were smart enough. I appreciate the ones who do give us a chance and, and, um, and find some, some value and appreciation in what we do, you know, regardless. Yeah. That, that latter aspect that you mentioned, sort of the sneaky way to get to them when, well, you know, I don't really believe in your, and Neil Morris gets this. A lot of people do. I don't really believe in God, but boy, I love your music. And you know, the lyrics are actually pretty cool too. Right. Right. Yeah. You never know when you're, when you're planting seeds or, or, um, or anything like that. I just, you know, I try not to, it's hard not to think about the way your music's received when you work so hard on it. And when you put so much thought and, and so much effort into it, of course, but you know, you have to, again, going back to, and the rest is mystery. You have to sort of separate yourself from these things because you have no control over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I can do is be honest. It's like, that's, that's why I, I, I've always said, you know, there has to be some seed of something it, you know, and, and, and our music, to be frank, I think a lot of, of Christian music or religious music is, is, can be pretty samey and repetitive and, and, and whatever. So, and, and people think that, but I, we cover a pretty, a pretty wide gamut, I think, in terms of, um, what we cover. I mean, some stuff is, but there are, there always has to be some seed of, of, uh, something in there that I, that really gets me, mm-hmm. you know, or I, or I can't write it, you know, whether it be, it can be something, you know, just a personal story or something that I've gone through. It could be like a, someone that I know, you know, relating something to me, or it could, it could be something just historic even, but there's gotta be some sort of kind of a through line, you know, to, to feel the song. And, um, so that's all I can do. And then, and then the way people, you know, do or don't receive it, you got to kind of just separate yourself from those things because it's, you know, not, not for me to control. Mm-hmm. So. One thing that's a hallmark of your music, at least for me, is hooks. You've got a hook, practic- sometimes multiple hooks in different songs. You really strive to have a melodic structure that grabs emotionally, it seems to me. Is that the way you view it as well? 
It is, yeah. That's I've always loved melody. So I remember even, um, you know, my parents telling me as a as just a little kid, you know, I would, you know, certain like even TV show theme songs or something that they would I would like almost cry because the you know the melodies, and so that's that's, I guess my my strength or whatever you know you want to say so i i um you know it's not a again it's not a it's not a uh, thing that i map out so much you know this has to be hooked this has to be a hook this has to be a hook as much as i just have to want to listen to it you know mm-hmm. that, that's you know I, I get bored pretty quickly if there's not um something melodic to to really latch on to so and um, you know, within that, we do it a lot of different ways. I, I think, but um, but yeah, that's musically, that's that's definitely um, that always has to be the case for me, or or else I'm gonna I'm gonna lose interest pretty quick. So mm-hmm. big sucker for big uh, big cheesy memorable anthemic melodies always. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, coming in 2021, Matt Smith and the theme songs from TV 1965. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. We talked online about a year or so ago. I'd asked you about theocracy and you were frustrated. Nothing was coming forward and you said essentially that you were in something of a desert and nothing was coming forth. Uh, Is that still the case? Um, not, not as bad as it was. It's kind of, kind of in between. Um, and it's not really, I wouldn't even characterize it as, as writer's block or anything necessarily as much as, um, you know, I've always taken great care about trying to never release uh, a throwaway song or anything subpar. Um, um, I'm obviously I'm not going to say that everything that great or whatever that's not for me to say, but in terms of of the amount of work that goes into it and and um, you know the the effort behind the themes and 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 all that stuff. So I've always said you know I, I would I would want to call it a career and and walk away before falling into that pattern that I've seen with so many other bands where they they are. They're still doing it because it's the job, but they're clearly out of ideas, and so it's um, it comes off as, as sort of second-rate versions of what they've they've done before, and and that and that kind of gets harder and harder to maintain the more that you've done because um, you know you get to where you've covered a lot of the themes that you wanted to cover that you felt passionate about, you know the kind of the um, those initial you know ideas that you you wanted to get out, so it's like. You know, you never want to feel like you're you're uh, doing it just to do it. You know, to just to put out an album or whatever. So it was it was it was more to do with that. It was like you know, writing wise, I can write. You know, I could write Absolution Day a hundred times and probably do it better than I did at the time. But I've already written that. You know, and I've already, I've already used those chord progressions and those melodies, and I've already used that imagery. And and so there's there's there was a lot of that going on, kind of. Um, you know, not feeling that it's, it's, I guess you could call it inspiration, but it's kind of different from inspiration. It's, it's, uh, um, it's sort of, uh, hard to describe, but I guess at the, at the level that, that we want to do things, you know, so, um, 
it basically came down to, you know, not wanting to force anything. And, you know, we had a meeting and I, I, you know, we said that to the guys, it's like, if something, if something comes, you know, if we get great ideas and, and, uh, decide something that we want to do, then we'll do it. You know, otherwise we're not going to just force it just to put something out. Um, that's never, that's never why I was into this at all. I mean, I, I, I really, everything else, even really besides the songwriting and the, the studio stuff, I, I, it's just kind of stuff that comes along with it. You know, I, I just wanted to write songs. And so I never wanted to be in a position where, you know, this had to happen because blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, not to make it sound like some big woe is me burden. I mean, obviously, I, 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 that's not the case at all. But um, if I'm going to do it, I want it to be right. And I want it to live up to what we've done before. So, um, so the, the, that was a long-winded way to say, you know, still kind of don't really know. I mean, I've got we've got some songs together, so hopefully um, something will happen at some point. But um, uh, just kind of wait and see at this point. And um, I, I'm fine with it, you know. I, I, I have peace about it, and, and I'm trusting that if if um, more theocracy is meant to happen, then it'll happen when the time's right. And, and if not, then I've, I've already been blessed enough to have way more you know accomplished way more career-wise than i ever because again i just wanted to write songs and mm-hmm. record them and and everything else has been just gravy so so we'll see when you have an experience like you did a couple of years ago with neil morris and his opera jesus christ the exorcist what does that do for you as an artist uh, not just performer, but a composer to sort of be in somebody else's work in that way. Does that give you ideas that help you expand what? Um, that's an interesting question because it's kind of multifaceted because there's the, there was the, that in particular, there was the fanboy side of it for me. I was so happy he asked me to do it. And, you know, I, I've always loved his music. So I was, I was honored and, and uh, thrilled to be involved. And then, and yeah, once you're kind of, there's a there's a um, an electricity uh, being in those types of situations where it's a it's a um, a big group creative thing and uh, you know it's an ensemble where you know there's a lot riding on everybody's performance and everybody has to get it right and there's sort of that that uh, you're all pulling for everybody and there's this it's just a cool team you can't really describe you know but i mean creative people know how that is you know anytime you're you know people that put on plays and musicals and and concerts or whatever there's just it's a um it's a very specific type of of uh a feeling so so there's it it definitely kind of heightens um anything you may be feeling creatively as far as um that electricity and 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 um yeah, I definitely found myself thinking, oh, I should do something like this someday, you know, you know, try to pull off some kind of big musical like this. And so and so it, it's certainly inspiring, especially in those moments. Um, so a lot of a lot of uh, kind of a multifaceted answer to that one, I guess. But it definitely gets your gets your creative juices kind of flowing, I think, and, and uh, gets you thinking. The three project Aegis singles are sort of a microcosm of that, bringing in all the different talent in that way to to sing your song and and come together as a team. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of a, a, 
a minimal way of kind of scratching that itch and and um you know even with the the other thing i i mentioned about this sort of whatever the these non-theocracy songs that i have for for you know if that ends up being some sort of solo thing or whatever in the future you know that's kind of been the thing with that too it's like do we because you know some of them i i wrote with other singers in mind and and you know some of them are duets and some of them kind of aren't and and it's kind of like well what does that need to be ultimately you know what i mean it's like i don't know that the world needs yet another metal opera with 20 singers and you know but other people have already done that great and it's been done to death and so um i don't know something like that it's like finding um i guess just finding the home for it so mm-hmm. again kind of like everything you know it's one of those things where um i just trust that the answers with these things will become clear when it's time and i, I try not to stress about it because it's you know uh, eventually if it's meant to happen then um then the right the right kind of vehicle for it or or the right way to present it or whatever will will uh, hopefully become apparent so um yeah it's, it's but it's definitely fun it's been it's been eye-opening too you know i mean i, I remember um with collide and spark the first song um uh nils k Roo um was one of the main singers on that and he's got an amazing voice and and um you know that's kind of the first time i really heard somebody else sing something i'd written you know like that you know a kind of big full force metal thing and it's like it's like oh it's not it's not he sounds better than i would on it but it's not super easy for him to sing that either so it's <laughs> you know what i mean you just said i have this picture of these guys as being just superhuman and it's like and um so it, it kind of humanizes it in a way and, and um and uh makes you feel good in that regard i guess but but uh yeah we'll see i mean it's definitely been um it's been a lot of fun and and uh it's cool to to be able to utilize these all these different strengths you know because these these people are so great and and it's it's nice to hear something that um it just it's so clearly elevated beyond kind of what what i you know it's different from it would be as a theocracy song obviously but because it's meant to be but it's um you know, clear, clearly something like that would not be what it is without the different singers involved. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With this particular song, and the rest is mystery, you set aside a particular organization to be the beneficiary of whatever proceeds come from it. Tell me a little bit about Legacy Music. Well, Legacy Music is, is run by um, Ted Leonard, who you know, Ted and Denise's wife, um, I met Ted when we did the Jesus Christ the Exorcist mm-hmm. musical, and um, great guy, super nice people. And I, I remembered him talking about it then. You know, I, I think we did a like a Q and A, um, uh, like a meet and greet thing with some fans, and and he was talking about it then. I thought, I, I guess it stuck in my head. I thought that's a interesting I- idea. It seems like a, a great thing. But basically, they they provide uh, music lessons and instruments for for kids from difficult backgrounds. So, whether it be you know uh, foster kids, abused kids, you know sexual abuse, uh, trafficking, all, all kinds of stuff. You know, uh, I think I think the age range is like eight to eighteen or something like that. Kids and teens, and and um, and so every 
I guess every I'm not sure how they divide up their their uh, lessons. I don't know if it's you know a quarterly thing or or they have semesters or what you want to call it. But there's expenses that go along with that. Obviously, um, you know, buying instruments for kids and and um, and and the lessons and the time and all that. And it's a nonprofit, so you know, I, I had that on my mind and and um, you know prayed about it and talked to people that I I trust, you know, about it and. And everyone seemed kind of struck with that idea because there were there were, I was kicking around a few potential, um, you know, charities because the the first song went to feed homeless people in Nashville um, via Pastor Bob and the Bridge Bunch, and then the second song um, it was for food and clothes for for homeless and refugee families in Greece. Um, Emil from our record label lives in Greece, and so you know he was right there, kind of in the middle of that. And, and uh so both of those things made sense and you know then this time around it was it was uh it's was, it was just hard to know what to do because there's so many obviously so many great needs and so many worthy you know causes and organizations and and but every everyone i talked to seemed to think this was cool too because it's music related you know which is nice and it's different from uh, the first two things that we've done and so um so that seemed like the way to go, and I contacted Ted, and and um, he said absolutely. You know, we could definitely use it, and and uh, so uh, so here we are. And it's one of those funny things because I I never ever ever ask anyone to buy anything that I do, but this is the one time that I feel comfortable doing that because it's none of it goes to me. It's like your, you know, whatever it is, a dollar or whatever, you know, your. It's a fraction of a cup of coffee for most people, but you can help out. And I think in a in a in a real way. And I hope people buy this one. You know, it's just you never know these days because people are buying music less and less. But um, so yeah, enjoy the YouTube video and whatever. But but yeah, please buy the song because it'll that'll. Uh, I know Ted and Denise will appreciate it, and and some kids will appreciate it too. And buy it if for no other reason than it is a great song. And a great performance by some wonderful artists come together, well, at least remotely come together in a way that is just outstanding, Matt. This is a wonderful song. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. So the video for And the Rest is Mystery is going to be on YouTube publicly on Friday, February 7th. And the song will be available where? For for purchase Uh, download. As far as I know, all the usual places, uh, iTunes, Amazon, uh, Bandcamp, um, and I think talk, Spotify, of course. Um, I think uh, talking to Emil from the label, I think I think it's on Bandcamp. He's he's gonna do like a, you know, you can name your price kind of thing where you know people can pay what they want and and get the song and, of course, everything from every uh, from all the ways that the song is available, you know, every amount of it, every cent of income goes to legacy music. And, and that's from YouTube ads to, you know, however Spotify pays out. And I really don't know how all that stuff works, but, but, uh, but yeah, it all goes to them ultimately. So, um, so it should be, it should be hopefully fairly easy to find. I'm sure it'll be extremely easy to find. And, uh, Matt, if I could say this, uh, we've had Snow Globe, which was the Christmas song, and mm-hmm. this one, and the rest is mystery, come out in about a three and a half month span or so. 
I hope we won't have to wait another three and a half years or four to have something come from Matt Smith. I hope not too. I hope not too. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll hear something out there. But well, it'll be. We'll, we'll see. But um, I'm always kicking around ideas. So. Well, we'll hope that you're guided in the right direction sooner than later, for our sakes, yeah. if nothing else. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. Matt Smith is the leader of the metal band. <laughs> Theocracy, as well as Project Aegis. And by the way, in case you were wondering, Aegis is a shield, oftentimes referring back to a skin-covered shield back in the Greek and the Roman times. The new single from the project is called And the Rest is Mystery, out on February 7th, with the proceeds again going to Legacy Music, the project from Denise and Ted Leonard, Ted Leonard, of Spock's Beard, and bringing music and instruments to at-risk kids. Matt, once again, thanks so much for your time and talking about this. Thank you, Mark. Thanks uh, Thanks for always supporting me and, and supporting uh, Theocracy and, and now Project Aegis. Everything that we do really means a lot to have your, uh, your vote of confidence and, and uh, your uh, spreading the word. So thank you. Thank you. I'm Mark Boardman, and for the latest music news, reviews, and interviews, Check out our website at sonicperspectives.com. And as we go out, what else? This is Project Aegis, and the rest is mystery.
reborn.